they were distributing the mask and rationing out the mask, and she was able to get two of them that she'll be able to use for the four weeks while she's doing her traveling nursing job there. So I am thankful for Kayla and her willingness to go and to serve and to serve other people that are hurting right now that are in a difficult place. I can tell you that the situation there in New Orleans, according to Kayla, is pretty desperate. Uh, they're in a pretty desperate place. Things are different for all of us. Things are, our world has changed as we know it. I was listening, uh, I, I still went to Walmart this morning as I normally do on Sunday mornings. That's where apparently God speaks to me is at Walmart. And uh, I was there this morning and I was standing in line and you have to stand in line at Walmart. You have to stand six feet apart in order to be able to get in the door. Once you... Uh, get up to the front door, then they allow you to get a buggy if that's what you desire. If not, you can go on in, but they're trying to separate people out as they go in the door Walmart. And I was there and I was listening to people talk. And that's one of the reasons that I go there. I listen to people and I heard this man who was kind of directing people going into Walmart and he was talking about where our world is and and where we are today. And, And he said that we have to follow rules that we have to stay six feet apart, that we have to, there was some man that came up and he wasn't particularly interested in having to go all the way around the, the, the lines or the, the markers that they had there to kind of get people in line and he was not particularly happy about that. He wanted to just kind of cross over the line and get in line right there and the guy said, no sir, you got to go all the way around and he wasn't particularly happy about that. He said, he said, really, I can't get in line here? He says, look, we all got to follow the rules and that's what he said and he said, I was listening to him. Uh, and, and he said, that's what God's trying to show us right now, is that we all got rules that we got to follow. He said, what was the name of that, that lady in the Bible? And God said, don't turn around and look back. He said, see, God's just trying to show us that we got rules to follow, and we, we need to follow those rules. And obviously, the man was talking about Lot's wife. He didn't know a whole lot about the Bible, and that's okay. He didn't know that particular particular story, but I think that when I was sitting there and I was thinking about that, like, what is God really trying to show us? Um, and I, I think that the, the thing that I thought about was not that we have these rules that we're supposed to follow, that, um, that that's what God's trying to reveal to us, is we've got a, a strict set of rules that we have to follow. No, God, I believe God is showing us that ultimately what we need is Him, that all these other things that we thought that we needed, we really don't need those things as much as we thought that we did. And ultimately, what we need is Him. I have said previously, I have said this before, that when you see people that really have a desperate searching heart for God, you go to a place like Haiti, uh, a place where they don't have very much at all. I, I know that when we're there, we're fortunate enough to get boiled eggs in the morning and cereal made with uh, rehydrated milk from water. Uh, and we're able to, to eat lunch and eat dinner. We eat three meals a day while we're there. And, and even though the food is not very good in particular, but you look at these people and you see you go to orphanages and, and schools where kids get one meal a day and the meal that they get is the one that they have while they're in school and that's about it. But you see people that are so dependent upon God. They're dependent upon their next meal to come from God. They they, they, they know that they have to lean into God for everything. And, I, and if I were to think about what it is that, that I, I personally have taken away from this whole experience, and that is a deep, deep dependence on God. 
a deep dependence on his word, a deep dependence on, on trusting him. Maybe that's something that I haven't done as, as much as, as what I should have. I haven't developed a trust in God the way that I should have. Um, that trust is something that, that the Bible calls faith. And as it, as it grows and it increases and you, you get closer and closer to Jesus through faith, it's like God is revealing to you what, what faith really looks like. Um, I, I was thinking today about, about the disciples, and they're in the boat. And I, I, the message today um, is just about one of being in desperate situations and trusting in God. Um, but today I was thinking about the disciples in the boat. And we all know the story where Jesus is in the hull of the ship, and he's down there taking a nap. He's, he's chilling out. He's, he's not really worried about the fact that there's a storm, and they're being tossed all over the place. And the Sea of Galilee is a very rough place, and at any point in time, a storm can, a storm can roll in, and they'll, uh, you'll just be overtaken by a storm in a matter of minutes. And they're in this situation where they're being tossed about, and Jesus is asleep in the hull of the ship, and they go down, and they wake Jesus up to tell him that they're going to die. They wake him up to tell him that they're going to die. And Jesus looks at them. And says basically this, I'm paraphrasing here with this story, but he basically looks at them and says, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Have I really brought you this far? Have you seen the things that you've seen? Have you experienced the things that you've experienced through me and in me so that I could bring you this far and we would all be in a single boat together and we would all perish at the bottom of the sea? Is that really what you believe? I find myself sometimes in desperate situations and desperate places and I have to ask the question where is my faith the same question that Jesus asked his disciples where is your faith what do you believe in what do you trust in what are you really relying on are you really relying on the ship that we're sailing around in is are, is your is your trust really in a bunch of boards and nails and pitch and tar that's, that's holding this together is that what your trust is or is it in more than that is it in me? Because if you were to look at me and you were to look at the example that I'm setting, it's one of peace and calm and comfort. As a matter of fact, he was so at peace that he was asleep in the hull of the boat. Folks, I think that if we're going to be followers of Christ in a time of difficult circumstances and situations, I think that it's okay for us to question things, it's okay for us to look around and wonder what's, what, what's really going on here. But I also think that we need to take away and say, God, what are you really showing me? And where really is my faith? And God, reveal that to me. Reveal to me where my faith really is. I think that in the midst of the chaos that's going on and while we're standing in line at Walmart six feet apart from each other, I think that as Christians, we are to be the voice of reason. We're to be the voice of calm. And we're to be the people that, that say, you know what? My faith is not in how much toilet paper I can buy. My faith is in Jesus Christ. That he has brought me this far. That he has put me in this place. And, and, and it may be a situation where I may not make it. I, I may not make it on the other side of this. But my faith is in Jesus, and whatever he has, I'm good with. 
I'm kind of disheartened a little bit by seeing some of the conversations, some of the rhetoric that goes on between Christians about what's going to happen here. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I can tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. I can tell you definitively without questioning anything, and, and it's the same message that's in this, this book that is in front of me, and that is that Jesus Christ is still the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. That his love and his mercy and his grace is beyond anything that I can comprehend. I can either choose to be a recipient of that grace and truly embrace the grace that he has offered me, or I can reject it. But he is still king. His love is still real. And, he, and tomorrow I'm either going to live or I'm going to die. I'm either going to have breath in my lungs or I'm not. And that truth has not changed and will not change. I think that Christians, as Christians, we should not contribute to the chaos, the rumors, the, um, the negative talk, the negative speak. I think that we should embrace truth, embrace God's word, trust God. And not be this voice that is, that is shaking. We don't need to be a shaking voice. We need to be an unshakable voice in this world that we're in. We've got a great opportunity as the church to be an unshakable voice in the world. And, and as much as we may get upset about the fact that we don't have worship service here, that, that we don't have the band playing this morning, we go, you know what, that's okay. God's truth is still real. His love is still real. These little things that we, we get upset about, I don't think that they should be as big of a deal to us as what they sometimes are. I think it's time as a church for us to have a voice, and that voice is a voice of faith. I do recognize that we are human. I do recognize that we get wrapped up in the things going on around us. I do recognize that when some person says this, we have a tendency to respond and it leads down a road and before we know it, we're being very negative and very downtrodden and uh, we're contributing to rumors and things and I just, I think that we need to recognize about ourselves and say, you know what, I'm not going to be that way. I'm going to be somebody who has, who leans into their faith right now, somebody who trusts God right now and I'm not going to be like everybody else. Today we're going to read about a situation where John the Baptist was in a very difficult struggle. He was in prison, knowing full well he was likely going to be killed. He was in prison because Herod Antipas had put him in prison and uh, he was locked away. Described before, when we were talking about Paul and Silas, we described before about the prisons in those days were not good places. They were places where you kind of wished you were dead instead of alive in those prisons. They were often in the dungeon or in the basement somewhere where very little light was able to get in, often chained to a wall or strapped to the floor in some way, unable to move very much, no facilities whatsoever, so whatever business you had to do, you did right there. So you can imagine the terrible way that it smelt, the way that it felt to be there, get little light. Um, it's a very difficult place to be in. 
Well, John the Baptist is in prison. And when I say that John the Baptist is in prison and he's struggling, it's way worse than the struggles that we have. It's way worse than the fact that we can't go to McDonald's and sit down inside the restaurant. It's way worse than the fact that, that we can't go and we can't hang out at some of the places that we like to hang out or we can't even come into church and shake everybody's hand and hug their necks. I know that that's frustrating to us because we're so used to that and, and it's, so, it, it's a part of who we are and I get that and I miss that too, but that's not ultimately where my hope lies and that's not ultimately what I desperately need. What I desperately need is what's contained in this book right here and that is reassurance of who God is. I think that God is revealing to us what we really need. What do we really need? And who are we? What does our faith really look like? We kind of addressed this a little bit. We talked about Peter and his response. Who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's the truth that we have to embrace as Christians right now. And John the Baptist, who is very human just like the rest of us, he has this question that he sends back to Jesus. He's in prison, very difficult place to be in. It says, the disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called two of his disciples and he sent them to the Lord to ask him, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Before we continue on, I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, today there are many people in our world that are struggling. They're struggling with difficult circumstances. Some people are struggling with their health right now. This virus that has consumed our world, Lord, it is unlike anything that we've ever seen. Lord, but that does not shake our faith. It does not shake our faith in you. You are the Lord of everything. You are the God of this universe, and because of that, we don't have anything to fear. God, the only reason we would have reason to fear is if you are not the Lord of our lives. And maybe there's somebody here watching you know, today. You are not their Lord. They have never fully surrendered to you. Well, God, I pray that you would awaken their hearts and awaken their souls through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to them and show them that, Lord, you are God. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That we can put our faith and our trust in nothing else. Lord, and, and sometimes we struggle emotionally and in our hearts, God, and we ask the question, just as John the Baptist just did here, Lord, are you the Messiah, the one that we were looking for, or should we look for someone else? God, the humanity in that statement, Lord, that's the humanity of us. That's where we are so many times. God, I thank you for this precious word. As we continue to look at what you have said to us, God, I pray that you would awaken our hearts and awaken our souls. God, that we would not be asleep during this time in our hearts. God, that we would be awakened by the power of your word and your Holy Spirit, God, and you would shake us to our core. God, thank you. Thank you, God, for difficult times and circumstances and revealing to us our humanity. God, and revealing to us your grace, your love, your power, and your might. For it's in Christ's name. Amen. So here we see John the Baptist asking the question through his disciples. John the Baptist had some people that would follow him around. So they were disciples of John the Baptist. They were uh, people that would follow him around and, and he would teach them and they would listen to him. And 
Um, it was a very common thing to have. As rabbis in that day, one of the things that they would do uh, is they would have people that would follow them around and, and learn from whatever was being taught. And he, this here, John the Baptist, who is not necessarily a rabbi, but he's, he's just a man who is teaching about the Messiah that is to come. I say that because... Uh, there, there's a, a, an account in, in the Gospels where, where John the Baptist sees Jesus walking by, by and, he, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world. He sees Jesus, he knows this, he's been prepared in his heart to prepare the way for Jesus, and, and he, he's got this, this he's, he's dead set and he's locked on the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. And yet we see him in this difficult struggle that he's in. He's asking the question, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? John the Baptist is a man. We are human beings just like John the Baptist. And there are some times where we ask that very same question, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Now we may not say it in these words, but we say it when we say things like, God, what is it that you're doing? God, I don't understand. God, are you going to fix this situation? God, are you going to rescue us? There's a beauty in the way Jesus answers John the Baptist through his disciples. He goes on to say in verse 21 of Luke chapter 7 is where I am. My apologies for not telling you that. I'm used to having things up on the screen, so sometimes I don't announce where I am. In, in Luke chapter 7, verse 18 is where we began today. We're actually in Luke chapter 7 right now. Verse 21 it says, at that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind. So at the same time that, that John the Baptist is asking this question, if he's the Messiah, Jesus is in the process of showing the whole world that he is the Messiah. He is right in the midst of doing these miracles, curing these diseases, these illnesses and blindness and restoring sight and casting out evil spirits. He's doing all of these things which are supposed to be evidence of the fact that he is the Messiah, that the power that he has comes from God. So he's in the midst of showing the whole world this at the same time that John the Baptist is asking the question, are you the Messiah? The reason I point this out is because when I think about God's work in the world right now, I know people and have spoken to people in the past week and two weeks that have come to faith in Jesus Christ They've had an awakening of their souls. They've had an awakening in their spirit where the Holy Spirit of God was speaking to them. And maybe it's as a result of the fact that everything else is being stripped away. And here they're asking themselves the question, where is my faith? And maybe the beauty of that is the fact that God is using all of this to draw people to himself. Which is ultimately the ultimate goal of the kingdom of God is to draw people to Jesus Christ. So as we question sometimes, as we say, God, what are you doing? God, how could you leave us in this spot? How could we be in such a desperate place? We need to understand that God is using this for our good and his glory. He's using this to strip away everything so people can look at themselves for who they really are and what they really believe. 
the same time that John the Baptist was asking this question, Jesus was doing things to prove that he was God, that he was this Messiah that John the Baptist was asking about. At the same time that you're asking questions about, God, what are you doing? How can you leave us in this place? How can you allow such devastating things to happen in this world? At the same time, God is revealing himself to other people, showing them that, that he is the one that they need in the midst of all this chaos and all this desperation that God is, is continually rescuing people from themselves, which is what we say we want most, right? That's the thing that we say that we want. God, we want you to do whatever it takes, God, to draw people to yourself. God, if you have to grind us to powder so that we might be drawn to you, that people might come to the saving faith of Jesus Christ, we'll do whatever it takes. Just as long as I can go into Cracker Barrel and eat on Sunday afternoons. I don't think that's the right answer. I think when we really say, God, whatever it is that you're going to do, I'm good with. We really need to believe in our hearts, God, whatever it is that you're going to do, I'm good with. Now, I hate it. I can't hug your neck. I really do. But God is using that to reveal that he is the God of this world and he is rescuing people from themselves as we speak. Then, Jesus, then he told John's disciples, this is verse 22, Go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Tell him, and tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. Now, Here's the beautiful thing about our Savior, our Messiah, our Jesus. He doesn't, he doesn't scold John the Baptist here. He, do, he doesn't stick his finger in his face and, and shake his finger at him. He doesn't do any of that. He doesn't say, John, you've known this from the beginning. Nothing's changed. What is wrong with you? He doesn't respond that way. He responds with the promises of God. As soon as John were to hear these things, as soon as John were to let these things ring into his heart and in his ear at the same time, he would have recognized Isaiah, that the words of Isaiah and talking about the Messiah that is to come, the one that is to rescue us all, he would have recognized that Jesus is just reminding him of what he already knew. He said, go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. That has not changed. John, I am still that same God that you knew. And today, my, my words, I hope that you do not see them as chastising, but a remembering of who God is. The remembering of the fact that he is still God. That the things that are going on in this world, they're not outside of his control. It's not like there's something that's slipping through the cracks that he's not aware of, that he doesn't, doesn't somehow have control over. That he has not gone on vacation or simply gone to sleep. He does know what's going on. He does know the questions that you ask. He knew the question that John the Baptist asked, 
of his two disciples, even when Jesus wasn't there, he knew the heart of John the Baptist at that time. I believe that that's one of the reasons why at the same time John the Baptist was asking this question, Jesus was busy about doing the Father's work and proving that he was the Messiah. I believe that he was just reinforcing the whole time because he knew that he was going to have some disciples come up to him and ask him. And these other guys who have been following Jesus around, his disciples are going to say, dude, listen to what I just saw the other day. You, you were talking to John the Baptist while he was in prison, and it's, that's cool, but, but listen, I was here and I was watching Jesus heal this blind guy, this guy that he hasn't seen from birth, and Jesus like touched him. He, he rubbed some mud on his eyeballs, and like the guy could see. It was amazing. You're not going to believe this. Jesus was doing all those things at the same time, and John the Baptist had this turmoil in his heart because he was in a, he was in a rough, rough situation. As you look at the things in this world that frustrate you and they make you upset because maybe, maybe it's the fact that we don't have a worship team up here and maybe, maybe it's because you can't go to Cracker Barrel or maybe it's because you have to stand six feet behind somebody at Walmart. I don't know what your situation is, but I just want to tell you that he's still God. He still knows the condition of your heart. He's not beating you up for it. He's reminding you. Today, you, you, you've got this beautiful opportunity to be online on Facebook Live and watch and you're on a podcast and you're listening and God's speaking to you right now. And he's doing a great work inside of you at the same time that all this chaos is going on in the world. Maybe our focus should be less on the chaos that's going on in the world and more on what God is doing inside our own lives and the beautiful work that God is, is accomplishing in the lives of people that don't trust him. People out there that don't know him right now, and he, he's using this as an opportunity to draw them to himself. And maybe we should have a heart of gratitude and a heart of thankfulness. Because I believe that when, when these disciples of John the Baptist went back and told John the Baptist these things, I believe that John the Baptist just kind of lit up. Just kind of lit up reminding, you're right. You're right. That's what I needed to remember. That's what I needed to hear. That's what I, where I needed to, to just have the words of my Savior speak to me. If you're struggling with doubt in this world right now and you're struggling with such heartache and, and despair and what do I do? Where do I go? What, what, you know, where do I find strength? I'm going to recommend the words of Jesus the words that don't chastise you, but instead encourage you, encourage you and draw you to him, remind you of his goodness, that's where I'm going to encourage you to go. That's the only place you're going to find peace. When you're in a desperate situation and you don't know where to go, I mean, I know that it sounds cliche, but run to him. Run to him. He, he's not forgotten about you. There are not things going on in your life that have slipped through the cracks that he's not aware of. He's real. He's present. He hasn't checked out. He's still a much, as much a part of your life as he ever was. In places of desperation, man, that's where we find that's where we find the strength in our faith, man. That's where we find our connection with God. I told you that I was going to begin to to read more of the book of Psalms, and I think I will um, today. This is just a reminder. 
As the psalmist writes here, it's just a reminder of who God is and what he is doing and what he has always done. And there's, he has not changed. In Psalm 77, the psalmist writes this in, in, in verse 1. It says, I cry out to God. Yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. I am too distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days, long since ended, when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I search my soul and ponder the difference now. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Has his promises per permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? He has slammed the door on his, has he slammed the door on his compassion? And I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. But then, but then I recall all you have done. Verse 11, Psalm 77, verse 11 says this, But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. O God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the, lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led through the sea. Your, your pathway through the mighty waters. A pathway no one knew was there. You led your people along the road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. What's going on here? Same thing that's always gone on. We question, we doubt, we struggle. When circumstances around us seem desperate, we wonder where is God? Has he completely forgotten about us? Has he turned his back on us? Has he lifted his hand of grace away from us? Is he no longer there? Is he no longer present? Maybe he just doesn't like us anymore. The psalmist here just remembers, oh, but I remember your wonderful deeds. I remember who you are, Lord. I remember what you did over and over again in my life. There are so many times in my life where I've seemed like I was at the end of my rope. It seemed like there was no way out. There's no way I'm going to be able to survive this. It's going to be the last thing that I ever endure, and this is going to be my demise. And then I remember the last time I felt that way. The last time I felt like this was going to be the end of me, and God made a way. But the thunder roared and the lightning flashed and God opened up a pathway that I could not see. 
that the world could not see, and he, he parted the waters. The whole world, the whole earth shook and trembled, and God parted the waters and made a road for me. No one else could see, especially not myself. God made a way. Like the old song goes, or the old song goes, the old hymn, God made a way for me. God made a way for me. God is making a way for you today. Maybe that's so that you'll trust him more, that you'll really examine your faith and see where you are in your faith, and that you'll be drawn close to him. Or maybe it's because you've never truly put your faith in Jesus. And your faith has been in a thousand different things, but it's never really been in Jesus. You know who he is and you know what he's about, but he's never been the Messiah of your life, the rescuer, the redeemer of your life. Can I tell you that he's not chastising you for that today? If you're full of doubt, you're full of questions, he's not chastising you for that today. He's drawing you to himself, reminding you of his mighty works and his mighty power. And reminding you that he has the power to save. He's a saving God and he's the same saving God that Isaiah talked about and John the Baptist talked about and Jesus said himself. He's the same saving God that he always has been. As you struggle and as you doubt and as you question, take that to him. Talk to him and listen to him. That's, that's what God is doing. That's what God is doing. Let me pray for us. Father, you are gracious and you are good and you always have been. Lord, we're so thankful for the fact that you are unshakable. God, we're so thankful for the fact that you are sovereign and nothing slips through the cracks, nothing slips through your fingers. God, you have everything within the palm of your hand and God, we have nothing to fear. God, but we see these things going on around us and we are human and we question things and we ask, God, what are you doing? How can you allow this to happen? And all of those things. But Lord, the, the question that you're ultimately drawing us to is where is our faith? What is our faith really in? Is our faith really in the things of this world or is our faith really in you? So Lord, I pray that people have been challenged by that question today. I pray that they have asked themselves that question, where is their faith? Lord, we desperately need you in this time. And there are hurting people. And God, you tell us in your word to pray for those that are hurting and pray for those that are sick. And we do that. God, we ask that you put your healing hand upon them. God, but we ask that you do that so that people might see your goodness and your graciousness and they would see that, God, that they need you desperately. When we say, Lord, in our hearts that we, we would be willing to be ground to powder for people to, to come to faith in you. When we say, just like Paul, that we are willing to be a curse so that his brothers might be able to come to you. God, I, I pray that we mean that, and I pray that we mean that in the deepest way. Because ultimately what matters most is faith in you. Faith in you alone. So Lord, as people have struggled today, as their hearts have, have, been, have been torn apart, Lord, I pray that they have seen themselves, that you have revealed them God, that you had revealed to them, God, exactly where their faith is. So, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for your loving word. God, we thank you for the fact that you draw us to yourself, God, through this precious word. So, Lord, we pray in the coming days we'd be this voice in the wilderness is crying out, God, that you are the Messiah. When people question and people ask all the questions about what's going on in the world, our answer is simply this, that you are the Messiah. 
You are the son of the living God. That's who you are to me. God, and I, I pray that people would see that, and I pray that people would say that. And God, that's who they are. That's who you are to them. So, Lord, we thank you for this precious word. We thank you for this time that we've had together through your word. God, we just pray as we come into Easter, as, uh, it's just around the corner, Lord. I pray that our hearts and our minds, more than ever, would be fixated on you and on your cross. Lord, and the fact that we have such great hope, we have such great hope in the resurrection. Thank you, Father, for that great hope. Thank you for your Son. Thank you for your sacrifice and for your grace. And thank you for never turning your back on us. In Jesus' name, amen.